message and then if we're done. And thank you, Heritage Singers, Brother D.L. Muncie. Praise the Lord. We've been studying about the uh, fruit of the Spirit for three years now. Well, maybe not quite that long, but I tend to maybe over-study, over-teach or whatever, and, um, and still you'll never get all the juice out of it if it's Bible. Amen? How many of you know that as you read the Bible, it's fresh and new every day? And when you read that Word of God, it's just so needful. I appreciate so much Pastor's message on Sunday and the emphasis of reading the Bible through. And before I get into the study, actually, I don't know if you've considered, um, you know, reading the Bible through in a year. It's possible to do that. And uh, some people are, I don't know, so focused they they can't start reading the Bible through because it's not January the 1st. Just thought I'd mention to you, you can start reading the Bible through today. Today, there are programs out there and, uh, that will help you to do that, and you read through, and then you celebrate what you finished, whether it's uh, March the 6th of 2020 or whether it's April or May, because it's not uh, whether you get it read in 365 and a quarter days, it's that you read the Bible. Read the whole thing. I was talking to my sister today about, um, well, actually, let me, let me just take a minute here. I, um, you know, I think probably one of the more difficult things for people in Bible study is the discipline and the accountability of it, having some uh, program. And, and, and I use, personally, the U version, and, um, and I, uh, she noticed that, you know, I'm, I'm up for uh, 365 days of reading the Bible, and she said, you know, I just, I never really done that, but since I started reading, she's the only friend I have in version. She doesn't, she didn't even want me to know what she was doing, but some accountability is good, don't you think? And so as we were uh, talking about that today, she said, you know, I have to say that once I set a program of reading, I'm reading the Bible more. Statistics show that of people who claim to be Christians, now you can refute this in your own life, you can say whatever you want to, but uh, only 11% of the people who claim to be Christians read the Bible every day, at all. And most out of those uh, people uh, do not read the Bible at all throughout the course of the year, uh, unless you count when they go to church and hear the Bible read by the pastor for the sermon. Well, there's something wrong, I think, in our relationship with God if it's so disconnected and, and we're so ignorant. You know, if I didn't know my wife's favorite colors, that's on me because we're together all the time. I ought to be finding out those kinds of things. If I don't know what she likes uh, to eat, then I should be eating with her instead of everybody else. You know, and so I just wonder if sometimes we haven't chosen to be with other gods. Oh, we don't worship them, but we're with them. We spend time with them. And another statistic says, and I, you know, I just bristle at this, and it said average of seven hours is spent in screen time. So my wife and I were talking about that, you know, and, and I didn't know this um, on my phone, this wicked little device is recording every uh, all the time that it's open on and uh, and so I felt so good yesterday it said that my screen time had reduced 12% yesterday and I said yes that's one of my goals I want to get my face out of this and hello into this come on now I know that my Bible's on this and I'm, I make my breakfast in the morning and I make coffee and my breakfast, and then I, I get into that Bible reading, and I'm listening to it. My sister says, you know, I have a hard time going through, uh, you know, some of those parts of the Bible, so I've never really read the Bible through. That's what she told me just this morning. And so I'm thinking, <clears throat> I've read the Bible through, I don't know how many years and how many versions. That's what Pastor was saying that he did too. And, um, and so... As I was thinking about that, the other day when I was listening to 
the Bible being read, um, I made a discovery. You know, where you go through that, um, uh, the, the sacrifices that are being offered and all of the 12 tribes bring the exact identical same thing, you know, and you sort of say, oops, all right, right down here to the last one. Um, instead, in hearing that, I heard that what was being offered were for three different kinds of sacrifices. And, you know, I knew that before, but I haven't really still studied it like I'd want to, like I want to, but I saw the progression. Each time it said that God, as they offered this, then the Lord uh, absolved them of their responsibilities or their um, sinfulness, and then he forgave them. We have to get in a right relationship with God by God's declaration. We call that justification. And forgiveness then can be imparted to us because now we're ready to receive it. Never even thought about that before. We think of all those things happening uh, concomitantly or at the same time, but some of these things uh, happen as you get ready for one thing, another thing happens and another thing happens. And sometimes the reason some things don't happen in our lives is because we haven't done step one. You don't go to step two. We, we kind of want to leap over the other steps, you know, and get to the end where we get the, we get the girl. You know, and the horse and the, the ranch and the gold mine and all those things. No, there are a lot of things you've got to do before you reap the benefits that are promised to us in eternity. Okay, I know that the ameners aren't here, but the rest of us are going to still have to get through this. You know, So I just want to challenge you to read the Word of God and participate in in that with some sense of accountability so people know that you are doing this you don't do it do it to be seen of men if you do you lose your reward but if you're into the word of God because you know that there's going to be something in there you discover about it then um, it might just be that God has something very very special for you I love to uh, see churches the way they're constructed and so on and and um, will probably never build I hope that not what God has in mind for me to build another church, but um, the more I see of the way churches are constructed, and the more I see of how it would be a little bit better if, you know, my, my home church for all of my young years, we, uh, we had the entrance was at the back, the pulpit was here, and two side doors where everybody went uh, for Sunday school, you know, and when they built the other, the new place, um, bigger sanctuary and bigger doors to go through up here and everybody came through the back and came all the way through when you come out from Sunday school everybody's coming out this way and I'm thinking they had a great opportunity to flip the sanctuary you know and and make the the back um you know as it's it's going to be um lower there than then they could make the side rooms for the choir you know just weird stuff like that because everywhere I go I look at the construction of churches now I went through that long illustration to say that if you study the Word of God, after a while you start noticing uh, symbols, signs, uh, types, and shadows, and oh, and you begin to put those things together. Um, I was a uh, apprentice, pipe fitter's apprentice, and I'm sure it's the same thing for all the other trades. They don't just let you go on the job and start reading the plans and, uh, and, and doing the work. An electrician has to... Uh, uh, a journeyman electrician has to be a novice for a while. He has to work with somebody. He's got to learn. He's got to go through those things. So all of the, uh, the trades, we understand that it's a process. So it's not time. It's not just time. Well, I've been a Christian 10 years. I should have the Holy Ghost by now. I should be able to uh, operate in the gifts and, and certainly blooming and, and then bearing, you know, fruit. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have to spend time in the book. And so as we have studied and looked at the, the fruit of the Spirit, I like to think in terms of the fake and the, the real fruit. The real fruit is the fruit, hey, a low of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh. And especially when we're going to talk about tonight, long-suffering, the fake fruit of long-suffering is somebody who's tough and gritty and can endure 
anything, hardship. And we look at people and say, boy, they sure had a lot more to, to deal with than I have. And I don't know how they made it. Well, sometimes people don't make it because they have grit. Sometimes people don't make it because they are special. Sometimes they make it because the Holy Spirit is at work in them doing what needs to be done in that moment that it's needed. Hallelujah. I feel the power of his presence here. And while I'm feeling the presence of God, I might or just go ahead and say that a lot of times we discount the temptation of Jesus because we say he was God. Of course he's going to overcome temptation. Do you not know that the Bible says that Jesus suffered in the flesh? He was tempted in the flesh. Satan wasn't tempting God. He was tempting Jesus. And how do you think Jesus overcame the temptation of Satan? By the word of the Lord and the word of his testimony. Praise God. The word, he said, that's the thing that will make a difference. So if the word is in us, the spirit begins to move in us, and he activates within us the power of the Holy Spirit to love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, without uh, which there is no law. The, the judgment or the, the condemnation that comes with the law are, are when these things are evidence in us, it's... It, the, the law is not evident, so the judgment is not evident in us because we are actually moving and working in the Spirit of God. So especially perhaps with long-sufferingness or the need for the ministration of that spiritual fruit within us, there is a need for it to be a work of the Spirit. And then we begin to see how God works through us to accomplish His victories and His successes. We know that long-suffering is, um, is um, a, a trait or characteristic of God. The Bible talks about how uh, he is long-suffering uh, concerning his children. Now, I, I love that verse of Scripture said that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God suffers long with people. He doesn't have a problem with circumstances, however, because he can change the circumstances. He created all of it. He doesn't always choose to do that, and I'm going to go ahead and let him be God in the doing of it. But it seems like as the scriptures talk about long-suffering, it's talking about patience. And, and somebody said that their patience has to do with working with people, and long-suffering has to do with working um, with circumstances. And that may be how it works in your life, but I don't, I don't want to split hairs over it because I just read today somebody said it just the opposite. They said that long-suffering is dealing uh, with people and uh, patience is dealing with things. Well, uh, I know that God is long-suffering, so I don't know whether he's long-suffering with circumstances and time, the things he's created, but it seems like that in all of God's focus, what he is trying to do is wait until people choose him. Salvation is his primary purpose, and then as we do that, then he can rejoice with us, and there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. I don't know if it's the angels. I kind of think it is, but the angels can't really relate to that. I kind of think my mom might be shouting her bun down when she sees that her children and grandchildren are saved, and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I believe she's in the presence of the angels. I don't want to fight about that. Um, I had a lady, though, who was ready to. She said but they couldn't be because it would hurt their heart to see when, uh, when people don't get saved, you know. And, and I said, well, that's probably true. I'm not, I really don't want to fight about that. But the Bible does say that, um, we, uh, that there is a, a cloud of crowd of witnesses, I'm going to say it that way, that, that's looking on. And I believe that those who've gone before are part of those who are rooting for us. So we got... Uh, our parents, those who've gone on to be in the presence of God. We've got uh, the angels who are rejoicing. We've got Jesus Christ who, are, who is interceding in our behalf and God the Father who's saying, whoo, glory. There they are doing what my long suffering was uh, done for so that they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's the attribute of, of God and, and uh, we, of course, identify with that. But the Bible says that we are supposed to also develop that attribute. It's part of the DNA that comes from being a born-again child of God. Now, I don't know what 
if you know what nominal means, but we used to refer to people that weren't, you know, Church of God, Pentecostal, and that kind of thing as being a nominal Christian. They just have a name of being nominal. Now all those nominal Christians are getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and some of us uh, uh, sit soaking sour Pentecostals are having trouble feeling the presence of God. Now, come on, I might as well aggravate everybody. Just stir it up real good. But I don't, I don't think that that uh, we need to think in terms of what other people are caught up and not doing. I, I think it ought to be my responsibility. What is it in my own life? And am I pursuing God as I should? Is, is there grace for me in my circumstance? Uh, I don't want to develop an attitude that it's like, Kesara, uh, Sarah, what will be will be. Because I believe prayer changes things. Or at least I believe the person you pray to changes things. And praying changes me. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But how do we address the adversity that comes in our lives? How do we see it? How do we see God in it? How do we see Jesus in it? I already mentioned it uh, with regards to Jesus in, uh, in temptation. Uh, in, in the uh, wilderness. In, in, is it Luke 4? Um, but think about the whole of his life because the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So if Jesus was tempted in the flesh and the Bible says at the close of his life he suffered in the flesh, then his attitude had to be one that was drawing from the reservoir, the graces of God. And that's what we have to do. We, we can do no less than that if we're going to have victory. Please think about that. Um, on your way home, or, or when you're in bed tonight, think about Jesus did not overcome the temptations of Satan as God, nor did he suffer as God. He suffered in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. Now, I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that because the devil will tell you a lie and say, well, you, you can't overcome this. Yes, you can overcome it. Well, Jesus overcame well, he was Jesus. Let me tell you, there are some other J's in the Bible that overcame by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's Job of the Old Testament, Joseph of the Old Testament. And we see how uh, their ability to suffer circumstances and to suffer with people or against uh, people uh, that made them stalwarts and standouts in, um, as examples in, in the Old Testament. Now, the thing that makes... For a contest or competition or a battle is opposition. You know, Beverly and I would never fight if she would agree with me all the time. Would never have a fight. I had a, a guy tell me one time, he said, well, you know, we've never, it was a preacher, so he might not tell the truth all the time. Um, and he said, we, he said, my wife and I have never had an argument. And I said, well, one of you then is eating your disagreement, you know, because we are not going to agree on everything, just not going to happen. In fact, let me just throw this in without an additional offering. Why is it, why is it that before we get married, opposites attract each other? And then immediately after we get married, we get busy about the task of trying to change the other one to be like us. Okay, you'll enjoy that later on. Why don't we just let God be at work in, uh, in all of our lives? Well, you know, I'm not just talking because Beverly's not here, by the way. She, she's, she defends herself, I'll tell you. She defends, well, she knows how to handle what I, I'm saying anyway. But she is not well tonight. She's better than she was, but we've had sickness that went through our whole family, Cameron's family and Jamie's family, and Beverly and I were the last ones standing. And uh, so she just... She said, I tried to do mine over matter, and that didn't work. So finally, uh, she uh, was sick and, and uh, now is doing better, but is in the resting stage of that. But um, uh, I, I get off on my tangent after I've gotten off running this rabbit down this trail, and then I have to return to my thinking. But it's Jesus who, who suffered, who not only um, overcame temptation in the flesh, but he suffered in the flesh. And so that's the meaning, the greater meaning of, um, of Jesus on the cross is not that, um, that he died as God, 
he was Emmanuel indeed, but he suffered in the flesh so that he might um, bring to us the righteousness of God. He became sin, who knew no sin, that the righteousness of God might be established in us. So then how do we face this adversity? Uh, how do we deal with situations and circumstances? Well, we can, uh, we can go um, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, uh, as the Old Testament did. Uh, we can avenge ourselves of, uh, of what has been exacted against us. We can be angry. We can be vicious and vindictive. Or we can operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we talked about how this whole thing is a cluster. Uh, faith is a foundation of all of it, and it's all wrapped in love. Okay, so long-suffering sounds like a, a negative thing, but the way that long-suffering is manifested, we see it in gentleness and goodness. That's the way you know you've won the victory in the long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. And so all of these things are at work together. And some of the verses that I'll read um, tonight, if I can get around to those, will will indicate how these things are all hooked together. Uh, we should respond to other people, not with anger, uh, not being um, vicious or vindictive, but we should respond in gentleness, not because we have the strength in the flesh, but because we have the strength, how? In the spirit. You walk in the spirit, and in fact, that the Bible, oh man, I, I just see so many things here that I'd like to talk about, but Romans 8 there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Well, that's great. And, and there are a lot of people who want to walk with no condemnation, but they want to continue to walk in sin. If you continue to walk in sin, you have chosen to go back into condemnation. The way you don't walk in condemnation is to walk in the Spirit. Thank you for that amen. We walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So our new nature, our DNA in Christ, gives us the equipment, the furnishings, um, the supply, if, if you will, for us to operate not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Not responding like the flesh would, but responding like the Spirit would. Now, if, if that were to be our standard, we would just flatly forgive people who do us wrong because that's what Jesus did. Come on. The Bible talks about forbearing one another. That, that word even sounds like some biting and tearing going on right there, doesn't it? Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And it, it seems like all of us are well equipped at judging. Why don't we drop the judging thing? The criticism, the, the uh, complaining, the sarcasm, the way we bite and tear at each other. The Bible says you better be careful. You might be consumed one of another. Why can't we just drop that? That's all of the flesh. Even competition is of the flesh. I cannot go down this. I cannot go down this road. But so many of us are equipped for comparing, right? It, it starts so early with, with children, I've said this before, but I'll go ahead and repeat it and then maybe take it on a little bit further. But who do you love best? You know, Who's your favorite? They'd ask, they asked my mom that, and there were 10 of us. And, and she was smarter than me because I, I guess I, I just say, well, you're all special to me. You know, but why are we even asking that? Why do we teach that? But my mom said, the one who needs me the most. I said, well, that's a pretty good answer. I probably ought to start using that. But then maybe we create a bunch of needy kids. So, But, but, but why are we talking about um, who's our favorite? Because every one of us are different and we're loved for different things. Be who God is making you. Don't, don't have competition here between this one and that because... Surely, one is going to fall short. Now, let me just throw this out here for you. We are all, get ready for this, we are all at different levels of spiritual development. Everybody here in different areas of our lives. Well, I've got a handle on one thing, 
I'm really weak in another. But if we start comparing ourselves with one another, that's when hostility comes in. That's when people start getting hurt because they're not as good at this or that or the other. We ought to be affirming each other because of who we are. You are a wonderful child of God. I am so glad to see you in the Father's house. And as we begin to talk to each other, people know whether we're affirming them or not. I had not this was not in my notes. So next time you can say stick with the notes if you like to, but how we address adversity makes a huge difference not only to the outcome but to our attitude. To our attitude. We'll come back to some of those verses of scripture. The fruit, the um, the cluster, the long-suffering in the cluster of fruit, uh, the problem is that we don't know, we know neither the duration nor the intensity of it. You know, you can say, well, I'm willing to suffer for Christ. Well, you might be willing to suffer, but how long? Most of us, most of us are not equipped in the flesh for long-suffering. I'm pretty well equipped for short-suffering, but not for long-suffering. You know what I'm talking about, right? If this thing lasts longer than a day or longer than two days or if we don't get this resolved pretty quick, you know, um, then I'm, I'm on the short-suffering list. We don't know the duration or the intensity of it. So what do we do? If what we do is go back to the old tricks of the flesh, we're walking in the flesh. But if what we do is say, Lord, I can't handle this. <laughs> you will have to do what needs to be done here. I'm going to do a step back, Lord. I could just run in here and, and I'm a fixer. I want to get right in the middle and fix. It's really hard for me to keep my uh, hands off of a problem. I remember I was probably eight years old, and um, my brother, who was an alcoholic, he was the first that passed from our family at 48, had um, cancer of the throat, two surgeries, and the last one, they, they couldn't get it all, and drinking and smoking, that's what the doctor said, not a Christian doctor, but the doctor said, this is what's happening to your temple. He did give his heart to the to the Lord in the, the latter days, but that... Um, that um, competition was felt there by him and, and that um, not feeling apart was felt there by him. And, and so that, that problem developed so that we address things from the standard of the flesh and not the standpoint of the spirit. So we should be walking in the spirit and addressing uh, the difficulties we face with that kind of attitude knowing that we can't but he can he will sustain us uh, the three Hebrew boys um, Daniel uh, many of the Old Testament um, people saw life with a different through a different prism I like the three Hebrew boys uh, answer to the the king uh, they said if you don't bow he said if you don't bow down and worship then um, you know you're going into the fire and um, Heated it up, you know, got it hotter than it ever been before. And, and so the Hebrew boys answered, now listen to this. This is how they're dealing with adversity. One way or another, king, the Lord's going to deliver us out of your hand. Praise God, don't you love that attitude? So um, our, our uh, mentality about, about long-suffering, how we face that, not only uh, ad addresses that, um, that circumstance itself, but our attitude towards that circumstance. Now, um, we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, as the scriptures say, and, and we should uh, make use of that. Now, Galatians 5 says, ye did run well, who did hinder you? So it's possible for us to start out good and then start depending on ourselves again. You know, it's like, hey, let go of me. Uh, I can ride this bicycle by myself. You know, and then we crash and burn. And we say, where were you? 
why did you let go of me? We do that with God. You know, we say, hey, I can handle this now. And then we crash and burn and we want to blame God because we crashed and burned. I know nobody here has done that, but if you run into anybody tomorrow that needs this, will you just share it with them? Colossians 1.23 talks about not being moved away from the principles. It's possible for us to move away from the principles. And adversity um, brings that on. The opposition brings that on. So uh, that's what moves us away uh, from the gospel and from the principles of the scripture. So um, adversity, opposition, people not agreeing with us, uh, all of those things are opportunities for us to exercise um, this fruit of the spirit, of the spirit and not of the flesh. Uh, in Psalm 119.71, it says, It's good that I have been afflicted. Now, what kind of strange mind would say that? It's good that I've suffered. It's, isn't it great that I've had this adversity? Many people going through adversity are able to come out on the other side saying, I see it now. I see it now. And this has been okay. I'll accept this difficulty. I receive this blindness. I receive this poverty. Paul said, I've learned how to, how to handle poverty. I've learned how to handle riches. And some of you say, well, I'd love to learn that one. What about your circumstance? Are you handling that situation? Then God may be able to release you into doing other things. Now, some people have difficulties in their life because they actually have brought it on themselves. The adversity that comes in their lives is because they created it. The Bible says we shouldn't suffer as a busybody, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's affairs. Just recently, I, I heard a phrase that I, I just, it's just so poignant with, um, with meaning to me, and, and maybe you've heard it too already, but it says, stay in your lane. You know what, you know what that means? Uh, mind your own business. I believe is what that says. Don't be messing with my stuff. Well, um, we're not supposed to suffer as a busybody minding other people's business. But the Bible does say in James 1 and 12, blessed, um, that we are blessed, excuse me, when we are enduring temptation by the power of the new nature that we have in Jesus Christ the Lord. So often we see the dynamic of the fruit in the life of um, people in the, in the Bible and the scriptures. And we should also recognize that that's what God wants in our lives. Seeing that dynamic at work where it is not the work of the flesh. It's the work of the spirit because he could not have known. They could not have known. And this has come back to my mind several times here. I'm going to just um, slip slip into this again but um, Beverly's had maybe 17 years since we first found out um, you know that she was having uh, difficulties with her liver we were in Cleveland for a meeting and um, had to take her to the emergency room twice and they were saying things about her bilirubin and her her um, coloring was yellow we came back and went to doctors and Finally, we got a referral to a specialist and went to a liver specialist, and he said on our first appointment, well, you're here for a liver transplant. Well, no, we weren't there for a liver transplant. But um, last night during her time of suffering, um, uh, she, she said, my feet feel funny. And so I rubbed her feet with uh, some lotion and, and tried to minister as best I could to her. But this morning she said that feeling was like the feeling I had in Cleveland when we started down this 17-year uh, trail. And I could tell that fear was coming in and that that was something that was going to need to be fought. And so we talked about that for a little bit. And, and so somebody called and asked for prayer for me to agree with them in prayer. And I said, and, and pray for my wife too. And I prayed for them and this person who's new to the church 
knew nothing about our testimony or Beverly. But when he prayed for Beverly, he said, Lord, bless her immune system and don't let any report, any false report be believed. I just said these very things and here God sends somebody along to say, I'm at work in this. Let the Spirit of God do. And if we just step back sometimes, God will do what needs to be done. And, and then he gets the glory for it. He gets the praise when it happens that way. And we can't just, you know, bust out of our shirt saying, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm such a wonderful man of God. No. It's not the flesh. It's the spirit that does these things. And that way he gets the glory for it. So I know that was kind of a, a long way through, but I, I've just been telling people I talk to on the phone about how God knows about everything. You know, it's just he knows how to, somebody who doesn't know that just in response to um, the, the prompting of their hearts, um, he can let us know that he, he is certainly still at work. Now, there are things that we face in this life that, just have to be endured, that's all. You just have to outlast it. But it isn't outlasting and outwitting, um, you know, from our own standpoint. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit working through us and in us. And maybe I belabored that point, but I don't know how I could overemphasize it. Matthew 24, 13 says, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So if we're going to be saved, there's going to be some um, some response on our part. It's something that's called out of us. We're going to have to endure some things. So get yourself prepped and ready uh, for that. And then um, Hebrews 3.14 says to hold our confidence steadfast to the end. Well, why would you have to Hold it steadfast if there's going to be no opposition, no adversity, no suffering, no difficulty. It's all in our attitude and our willingness to have the Holy Spirit work in us. Ephesians 6 and 12 talks about us not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, uh, spiritual wickedness, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a battle. We're in a battle. And so you can act like you can win it on your own just because, you know, hey, I've been a Christian for 60 years or however long you might. Nobody wins a victory because of how long they've been walking with Christ. We win a victory because Christ in us, the hope of glory. We win a victory because we yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how victories are won. Now you notice the little struggles you might have and think well that's nothing it's the little struggles that prepare you for the big stuff so do those do the small things right uh, on um, in my next study I, I want to talk more about this but um, oh I don't know it's been a number of years uh, now 15 years or whatever since um, Iverson said uh, uh, it's, it's just practice just practice 22 times in the interview and so I have to give you more of the detail of that later but that's where our victories are won right here in the book practicing uh, putting into practice the things that uh, bring about victory in our lives so personal preparation for what is coming um, whether it is from Satan or whether it is from God I've had to do some struggles over some things I knew were from the Lord. So we have to be ready for that too. Huh? I guess I probably ought to mark that and come back to that some other time. We'll underscore that. Romans 5 and 3 says, Tribulation worketh, what? Patience. Now let patience have a, its perfect work. In Romans 15 and 4, it says, It is through patience that we have hope. So the long-suffering that we have in the body, in the flesh, is not, does not have its origin in the flesh. It has it in the spirit. And so even if it's chastening from the Lord, 
whether it's from the devil or whether it's from the Lord, we need to be ready to yield our members to what God is doing in our lives, our, our body, if you will, uh, to be uh, moved upon, operated upon in the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalms uh, 3 and 10 speaks of the fellowship of suffering. We stand with other people who are suffering. That's the fellowship of our suffering. But there is a fellowship of his suffering that is in, um, in, in Colossians, I think it is. Maybe it's Philippians there, but Paul is writing. And he says, uh, oh, that I might know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Sometimes you know a person deeper only by having gone through suffering with them. In fact, they've done studies on that, and they say that people get together, I mean, get feel closer together because of things they go through together. People who've had some great uh, adversity or some huge problem in their lives, um, later on, they've been uh, interviewed about those things, and they're still close with that person because of that event that took place in their lives. So if the, surf, if the suffering and adversity is uh, allowed by God or sent by God or whether it's um, sent by Satan, God will use all of that for our discipline, our development, and our direction. Now let that sink in for a minute. Any adversity, any affliction, any suffering, I think I'm on safe ground here, if God allows it or he sends it, either way, then he is working discipline, direction, and development in our lives. Can you give me a scripture? I believe I can. You did ask, didn't you? Romans 8.28 For we know that all things work together for good to them who love God who are the called according to his purpose. i got to love that. I love that. So we won't go into detail about Joseph or uh, Job, but we know that 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. <laughs> These light afflictions are nothing to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. If you could put that into the perspective, wouldn't that be something? You see something coming down the pike in your life, whether it's disease or whether uh, it's... Uh, uh, domestic problems or financial problems or whatever it might be, Paul put it in perspective. He said it's just light compared. These light afflictions are nothing to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And, and I'm wanting to say that Romans uh, 8, uh, 18 or maybe, maybe it's not that. There's another verse that says something very similar to that. And... Uh, Let's see, if I can't find it within 20 minutes, we'll, we'll go home anyway. Oh, 18, for I reckon, when I got time, I'm going to preach on reckon. Oh, that's a wonderful word. Uh, of course, it's King James word. You know, if you're hung up on the King James, you got a problem. For I reckon, I, I've weighed this all out, I've researched it. See, I couldn't not say it, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I've sorted it all out. I've thought about it. And now I've made a decision. I reckon. I used to hear my folks say, well, I reckon so. I don't know what that meant exactly, except maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Well, it's stronger than maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It is, it is. <laughs> That's what it's saying. I have reckoned this thing out, and I have totally decided that I've looked at the sufferings of this life Put it in perspective and recognize that it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Whew. Glory. Um, hmm. I'm going to skip some of the verses, and, and you know me. I'll probably come back. I was planning on doing just this tonight and three uh, next week and one and our, our uh, review on the following. And then we're going to have Brother Osborne uh, do a series uh, for us. But let me just go to, to Acts um, twenty twenty four. I could quote this, but as sure as I start quoting it, I'll get 
I'd get uh, old age would set in, and I would just totally forget it. But it's um, 20, Acts 20, 24. I love, I just love this testimony um, by Paul. After you've looked at everything that's happened in his life, all of the suffering he's gone through, all of the adversity he's faced, all of the infirmities uh, that he's had to deal with. <laughs> I'm sorry, a laughing spirit just about come over me. Praise the Lord. He said, none. How many of these things bother you? None of these things. He's putting it in proper light. He, he's uh, recognizing it's light affliction. It's not worthy to be compared to the glory. He said, none of these things move me. I'm standing firm. I'm standing on this. This is worth building your life on. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course. I've heard people say, if I can just hear the gates click behind me, you know, I'll be happy. I, I want to do more than that. I really want to do more than that. I want to finish my course leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. I want to finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, some Christians feel like they don't really have to be faithful in church attendance. They don't really have to read the Bible. They they don't really have to go to Sunday school or enroll in any classes or, um, you know, because they're not in ministry. Every Christian is in ministry. You have a calling. And you say, oh, no, Pastor, I don't have a calling. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. You've got a calling. What was Paul's calling? He said just to testify of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got family members who haven't seen or heard your testimony of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, wonder what would happen in your immediate surroundings if you started telling people, oh, the Lord gave me a word that secured my heart. You know the difficulties I've been facing? He's given me grace for that. Not a problem. And I told you the word that I felt like the Lord had given um, to me for Beverly. Um, you may not have been here that, that day. But the Lord gave me a, a verse of scripture that I didn't even know was in the Bible. He said she's going to live and not die and declare the glory of God. It didn't matter what the report of the doctors might have been. It didn't matter what men might have seen that situation or circumstance to be. And there were seasons in which she'd wake me up and say, what did the Lord tell you? Tell me again what the Lord told you. He told me that you're going to live and not die and declare the glory of God. I reminded her of that this morning. That call reminded her of that this morning, that she's going to live and not die and declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. Give him his praise. Your ministry and my ministry is just to simply testify. Your testimony can't be refuted, by the way. How could somebody say, no, you didn't feel that? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, you didn't experience that. You didn't have a, um, a windfall prophet. Yes, I did. You didn't have this healing. Yes, I did. They can't refute it because it happened to you. Now, you can fight about some other things, and some people will bet on instant replay. It's over. Quit looking in the rearview mirror. Let's start looking out of the windshield. See what God has for us. Praise God.
Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Just use your ministry to testify. Work on your testimony. You ought to be able in 50 seconds, 45 seconds, to tell how God changed you, you know, from a 400-pound to a 125-pound. 400-pound strong man to a 125-pound weak one. That's not what people want to hear, although that we're hearing a lot of that. All the kinds of things that make us look better. Oof, I just compared myself, didn't I? Better. Best. That's what we're going for, comparisons. Isn't it? A person is acceptable based on the things we put in place. We judge each other by the competition. I know when I'm over, it's really hard for y'all to say amen and enjoy that. But that's so true. we got to quit it. God will give us the grace to do that. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord, so much for your presence here tonight. Um, I want to mention this. Uh, we've, we've got, uh, uh, let's see, about three weeks uh, before we have to make a decision about this. But uh, some have expressed an interest in uh, us taking a group uh, seniors of seniors to the Smoky Mountain Gathering. Um, used to be the Jubilee, um, yes, and and that is in Gatlinburg, April the third, thirtieth, excuse me, through May the second, and so we've uh, we made the arrangement for that. We've made some reservations for that, uh, and um, so for two hundred fifty dollars, it would include your room and your transportation and the fee. So it's two hundred fifty dollars a person. If you have an interest in that. Um, Ask Beverly, she can loan you some money and you can go with us. Uh, but we'd love, we'd love to have a group. Please let us know right away if you have an interest. You, you don't have to pay us any money yet, but we just have to know so that we can make sure we've properly planned for you. So the gathering, they're calling it, Smoky Mountain Gathering. There's some uh, brochures about that, flyers out on the, on the table right outside uh, in the foyer there. So... Thank you so much for coming. God bless you, love you, and glad that you're back from Disney World.